welcome back to the Meet the Investigators podcast. My name is Sean McGowie, and I'm an editorial fellow with the International Consortium of Investigative Journalists. It's hard to believe that it's been five years since the world was introduced to the Panama Papers, a stunning collection of more than two terabytes of data leaked to reporters at the German newspaper Süddeutsche Zeitung. The source of that leak remains anonymous to this day. Over 11 million documents shone a light on the inner workings of the Panamanian law firm Masik Fonseca, who facilitated the creation of offshore shell corporations for a list of wealthy clients, including star athletes and heads of state. One of the first major names discovered in the data was Iceland's former prime minister, Sigmundur David Gunnlaugsson. He failed to disclose his ownership of an offshore company when he became a member of parliament amid the country's banking crisis. My guest this month is an Icelandic journalist and ICIJ member who pursued Gunnlaugsson's story. So my name is Johannes K.R. Christiansson. Uh, I live in Reykjavik and uh, I'm right now I'm working as a documentary filmmaker. Christiansson may have set in motion a chain of events that toppled the prime minister, but he says that if you weren't working as a journalist, he would be doing something completely different. I think I would be a farmer in Iceland somewhere, in a remote place somewhere, because uh, I, I partly grew up on a farm. Yeah, I think I would be a farmer. Here's the rest of my interview with Johannes Christensen. Tell me a bit about what inspired you to want to become an investigative journalist and how you got your start. I was all constantly asking my father questions about everything. I wanted wanted to know everything and how how things worked. And uh, I had been uh, that kind of a guy since I was a child. I started as a news reporter at Channel 2, a TV station here in Iceland. In the evening news, you just do the routine stories about things that are going on in the in, in Iceland. But soon I realized uh, that uh, I wanted to do something more. I wanted to, to, to dig into stories. And uh, just a few months after I started, then I got a permission to do uh, my first investigative story for television. And that was about organized crime in Iceland. Your curiosity is a quality that I think a lot of journalists share, but how do you translate that for an audience and get them as interested in your topic as you are? When you're doing a, a, a story uh, as an investigative reporter, you try to, to get all the information out. You try to find the hidden documents or the link between uh, some aspects of the story uh, that has never been told, especially here in Iceland, where 380,000 people living here, a, sto- a big story will be noticed and every- everyone is talking about the story. So that, that is an important factor in uh, everything a journalist should do. Complex stories based on government documents can sometimes be a little dry and hard to follow visually. So working in TV and film, how do you try to make those stories as eye-catching as possible for viewers? I always try to have uh, people telling the story, you know, by interviewing people that know something about the story or has some inside info or know something about the documents you are presenting. The attention span for the viewer is better when there's some, some person telling you 
about what's what what is uh, on the document so sometimes it's really hard to 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 present a story if you only have the documents and you have to use use graphic and you have to use a voiceover then people can fade out easily the panama paper stories all around the world were based on complicated documents but in iceland there was something else that caught the world's attention a made-for-TV moment in which the country's leader stumbled his way through a disastrous interview. I have always uh, given all of my assets and that of my family up for, for the taxes, so uh, there has never been any, any of me as, I, my assets hidden anywhere. What was it like when you first learned that there was a link to the then Prime Minister of Iceland, Sigmundur David Gunnlaugsson, in the Panama Papers? I remember where I was because I was sitting in my car when Marina Walker called me. I parked the car outside the gas station in, in Reykjavik. And when she told me that uh, that uh, the prime minister was involved in, in the Panama Papers, time froze in my mind. And uh, I knew instantly that this was a big story, maybe the biggest story I uh, ever worked on. and, and uh, it was a shock and uh, of course I was really uh, excited to walk on it of course when you have a link to the prime minister in a, in a, in documents like that and you know it's a big story and everybody wants a big story the documents showed Gunnlaugsson had an interest in an offshore company called Wintress but such a revelation is only the beginning how do you take a piece of explosive information like that and work to turn it into a compelling story uh, in the in the first months of the, of the of the work on the Panama Papers, we I just tried to get uh, every document related to Winters and uh, and uh, and the Prime Minister. And um, you know, when we were sure that we have had found every email and every document, then we started to tell the story. Be you know, tell the story of the Prime Minister and uh, and what he had has been to, had been doing. Uh, the, the month before the the company was founded and, and uh, you know, tried to get some background information. After months of reporting, Johannes was ready to confront the prime minister. So he paired up with a Swedish colleague and did an interview that raised more questions than it answered. Tell me about how you prepared for the big televised interview with the prime minister. Of course, we we always wanted to to uh, confront the prime minister with this information, and we discussed that uh, for a long time. And we decided to to uh, do the interview like we did because we wanted to get him by by surprise. Because uh, Iceland is a small country, and uh, if I would have started to call the prime minister office or the tax office or any office in Iceland and ask about company called Wintris, then, you know, then the story would be out in in days. So we decided to do, do it like we did. And, uh, and uh, that was, of course, I mean, it was ideal for TV, but the main purpose was to get his first reaction because as a prime minister, he should have declared that he that he uh, owned this company. Yes, 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 yes,
That was a clip of you asking the prime minister about Wintress and him starting to react in a way that ultimately led to him walking out of the interview. What was going through your mind at that point when you started to be able to tell that you had caught the leader of your country in a lie? Me and Sven, we, we discussed this, what would happen? And we had some scenarios. We had to plan A, plan B and plan C. And what I was thinking, I was really stressed. My adrenaline was, uh, was way, I mean, it was at my heart was pumping and, uh, and uh, I, I remember I was sitting there and I was listening, listening to Sven asking some general questions. And then he asked about winters and I, I wanted to be out of the room, but I knew that I had to, to stand up and, uh, you know, continue to ask questions. And uh, right after the first question, I asked the prime minister and his answer, he, he just wanted to walk out and he didn't want to answer. Then you know. Then I I knew we were doing the the right thing because he was not doing the right thing. He should have asked, uh, answered all the questions. But it was a stressful time. That stress is actually exactly what I want to ask you about. You've mentioned that in a small country, word gets around very quickly. So in order to conduct an investigation like this, you you must have had to maintain an incredible level of secrecy. Can you tell me about the loneliness and isolation that came with working on the Panama Papers? Oh, it's a it's a hard question. Working on a, a story like this in Iceland, where where if you go out, you always meet someone you you know. I, I knew from the start that I had to be isolated working on this. I I I, I couldn't talk about the story with almost anyone. So me and my wife, we isolated ourselves because I, my, my office was at my home. I didn't have any, any other office. My mother-in-law asked uh, my wife, why are you living with this, this man, Johannes? Because he's not walking anything. He's not doing anything. Of course, they didn't know I was working on the Panama Papers and she couldn't tell them. So. My, my mother and father-in-law, they really thought that I was just uh, a lousy bum or, or, or thing, not working for, for, uh, on anything. But of course, when, when the Panama Papers uh, was released, then, then they understood and, and they, they were quite uh, uh, happy about it. But yeah, it, was, uh, it is quite, quite hard. Was there anything that helped you manage the stress during this time? Uh, I went to a summer house and I in, in 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 my family to to walk there, and I I I did go out for a walk. Yeah, that that was basically the things I did. One of the results of the investigation was that Sigmundur Gunnlaugsson is now the former prime minister of Iceland after thousands of Icelanders took to the streets to demand his resignation. Is there a special responsibility that you feel knowing that your work can help bring about major changes like that? That's the great thing about journalism because the only thing you do as a journalist, you, you gather the information whatever it is, data documents or, or, or people talking on camera or whatever. And then you put the story together and you present the information to the public and the public reacts. 
that is exactly what journalism is about. Uh, in this case, the general public was mad about the info information they received, and they demand the, the public demanded that the prime minister, prime minister should step down. And I mean, that is the beauty of journalism. We're speaking as the fifth anniversary of the first Panama Papers stories approaches. So looking back on the last five years, what do you think the legacy of this investigation has been? When people see the story uh, about Iceland and the Panama Papers, of course, the prime minister will be the headline there. But it was so much more. And, uh, and uh, this interview was just a tiny part of the work. The main work was in you know, finding the documents, uh, reading the documents, trying to put all the things together. But of course, I'm 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 proud of my work and uh, others on the Icelandic uh, side of of the Panama Papers. What was it like working on a project that required truly global collaboration with reporters and journalists in countries all over the world working on their own Panama Papers stories? This cross-border journalism—it's a—it's a really, really great thing, and it's—it's uh, it's the future of journalism, I think. Uh, I'm really proud of being a member of ICJ and knowing all the people, people, all the journalists all around the world uh, that worked with me on this because we worked with, together on this. I helped a lot of journalists, and a lot of journalists helped me, and that is the the biggest thing about this project. You know, gathering journalists from all, all around the world. I really hope that in the future we will have a lot of project, projects like the Panama Papers and, and in other field, fields also. And I think this might be my most important Panama Papers question of all. An ice cream shop in Reykjavik came out with a winterous flavor after your stories were published. Did you have a chance to try it? No. I regret that because I really wanted to try it. I should uh, I should contact them and ask them to to do one piece for me. The Panama Papers is far from the only major story Johannes has worked on. His current project is a documentary on the response to the coronavirus pandemic in Iceland. Tell me about this COVID nineteen film that you're working on now. I I got the privilege uh, to get behind the scenes access to the people that are in the forefront of, uh, of uh, fighting the coronavirus here in Iceland. So for, for a year, I had been with a camera with my, with my partner, and we have been filming all around Iceland. And uh, I think uh, we have been shooting for 270 or 80 days. But uh, on the first meeting I had with the, the people who were, were working, with, uh, working uh, in this here in Iceland, on the first meeting, they told me, Johannes, we are not, we, we know what you have done in your work and uh, we, we respect that. You are going to get everything. We are not, we are, we are just presenting the truth uh, to the public. And they have been doing that. I've been filming what's going on behind the scenes and that is ex exactly what they are doing. They are, they are just presenting the facts and, and the truth to the public. And that is a, a good thing to know when you're talking about officials working for the government. That must feel like a bit of an unusual approach after your experience with the prime minister. Uh, are there any lessons from the Panama Papers that you carry with you in your work since then? 
I mean, uh, when you walk on a, on, a, on, a, on a project like the Panama Papers, walking, you're working with journalists from all, or, all around the world, and you are talking talking to the people and getting information, getting messages, and uh, and uh, you know going to all the meetings we had. Then you start to think bigger. <laughs> you you know that you can walk on stories all around the world. In addition to the worldwide stories you've done. You've also worked on stories that have had a great deal of personal impact. My most personal and most difficult story I worked on was uh, a year after after my my daughter died because she died from a prescripted drugs here in Iceland, uh, morphine. And uh, she was just 17 years old. And I, I as a journalist uh, working for the state television then, I wanted to dig into this world of young junkies here in Iceland. So I did that and I went, I went uh, as a journalist uh, with my camera filming interviews and the daily life of really young people doing drugs here in Iceland. And then I told my, my daughter's story on television and I did tell all the story. It was really personal and I mean, my hardest story, of course, it helped me a lot to be able to tell my daughter's story and to get, you know, to, to, to get to know all the young people doing drugs at the time. And uh, it was a, an eye opener for Icelanders because no one believed that children 15, 16, 17, 18 years old were doing you know, hardcore drugs like morphine and uh, other other medicine or, 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 or drugs. That was my way to get the information out so the government could react. And they did in, in some ways. So so it was a good thing, but but it, of course it was hard for me. But at the end of the day, I've, I feel good because a lot of people know knows about my daughter. They know her name and her memory lives on. So... That was also important for me. Johannes' series on the underground drug culture in Iceland helped him find meaning in his daughter's death, but it also touched the lives of many others. He helped get one of his reporting subjects into treatment, and the series set off a national debate that led to Iceland's health ministry enacting new regulations on the prescription of opioids. I have one more question. Uh, what is a piece of advice that you would give to aspiring journalists? My my advice to young journalists just start starting to walk as a as a as a journalist would be find stories that you know come from your heart find stories that uh, find stories that you that you walk from your heart walk on from your heart because and uh, because that those stories are the are the biggest stories I think that's a perfect way to conclude our Panama Papers anniversary podcast. Thank you so much for talking with me, Johannes. Thank you, Jean. Thanks again to Johannes Christensen for taking time from his busy schedule to talk with us. And thanks to all the journalists who share their stories here on the Meet the Investigators podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. It was produced by Sheila Alecci and me, Sean McGowey. Send us your feedback at social at ICIJ.org and tell your friends about the show. Please share it on social media and use the hashtag meet the investigators to let people know what we're doing here. 
Thanks for listening. See you next time.